Could you turn with me please to Matthew's Gospel and chapter 27? Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. Tempting to say Matthew 26 to just get Joe worried that she prepared the wrong subject, but I uh, couldn't do that. So Matthew chapter 27, and I'm going to read from verse 45 to just set the context that we looked at last week, although Joe will be speaking about the burial of Jesus from verse 57. Beginning verse 45, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on his stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, No, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They'd followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there, opposite the tomb. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Sounds like I'm on okay. <laughs> the microphone and everything. That's a good start. <laughs> so we're looking at the burial of Jesus tonight. And sometimes we just don't realise how important something like this is how, um, and how, how key it is to the gospel, to, to our faith. Sometimes we can't just grasp what um, an important passage this is to get into. And when I first looked at this, I wondered what on earth am I going to do with this passage? But there is a lot there, a lot we can learn from. We just don't realise sometimes how important something is until maybe that it's, it's no longer there. And I was trying to think of an example for this this afternoon and my sister actually gave me a really good example. She said we could think about the bee. And if you look at, think about the, the honeybee, it's just a small insect and it just, it makes honey and it, it pollinates the flowers. But where would we be without it? If we took all the bees away, 
Uh, okay, press that. We wouldn't have any honey. But we, there would be a lot of species of flowers that would no longer exist. And a lot of other plants as well also would die out. And then there wouldn't be food for some of the animals. And the animals would die. And it's just going to cause absolute havoc and have a massive effect. But at first, when you just look at it, that's not what comes to your mind. You don't realise how, how big a th- thing it's going to be. And sometimes it can be like that when we're looking at the burial of Jesus. It's really easy to overlook it but as Paul teaches us in uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 uh, the gospel of Christ involves the death the burial and the resurrection of our saviour and so the burial has a really key part to play in the um, gospel accounts we often talk about a de- uh, dying or burying our past lives and living in the new life that uh, Jesus has given us and putting away like our, our sins, our, our old habits and um, moving forward in the love of our Saviour and, and living, for, living for him in, in our new lives. And this image, uh, obviously, it comes from uh, the, the Gospel account of how Jesus is buried. We're put, putting away um, our sins, our old habits, and then coming into a new life he's giving that to us as Jesus died and rose again it's that that image from the, the burial here that's used to explain our faith so without the burial or with a different burial we would have had a very different story we read here in Matthew 27 Jesus was wrapped in a clean linen cloth put in a new tomb and a large stone is put across the entrance it seems like a standard Jewish burial. But Jesus has just been crucified by the Roman authorities because of the influence of the Jewish high priests. And instead of burying him with the criminals, one of the Jewish high priests has now come and asked for Jesus' body to be buried in his own grave. And this act means that that Jewish high priest is now going to be unclean from touching the dead body at a really important time and mean that he can't participate in the Passover properly because he needed to be ritually clean in order to do this. And this completely exposes his this man, Joseph of Arimathea, truly is. um, We're told in Mark 15 verse 43 that he's an honourable counsellor, a Jew who took pride in following the law. He's a man waiting for the kingdom of God to come, a man who's looking for the kingdom of God in the Old Testament scriptures, and he anticipated the promised Messiah. He was a good man, just towards others, as it tells us in Luke 23.51. And up until this point, he'd also been a secret follower of Jesus. He'd been hiding his identity as a disciple out of fear. As as a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Council, he would have faced immense hostility and humiliation and lost his position in the Sanhedrin at the very least. These are the people who have just crucified Jesus. He's a member of this council, but he's also a secret disciple. It completely seems to to contradict each other and we can see why that he couldn't have had both those identities out in the open. 
we don't really know for sure what they'd have done to Joseph if they, if they found out he was Jesus' uh, disciple. This is the only point in the Bible where uh, Joseph is mentioned. But we know what they're capable of because they've just crucified Jesus. And the fear that Joseph has was very well founded. He genuinely feared for his life. But at this point, he can see so clearly the dangers uh, that he faces. He comes out of his hiding place and he steps up to the mark. He takes a massive step of faith and he completely reveals his identity as Jesus' disciple and who he believes Jesus is. And I think that this is the first point where he, where he steps out in faith, that he truly decides that he's going to live for Jesus. And by not allowing Jesus to be buried with the criminals, Joseph is declaring that Jesus is different, that he's not a criminal. And he shows that he truly understands who Jesus is, because we know that Jesus was uh, crucified for, for blasphemy, for saying he was the Son of God, and the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, were saying, no, you're not the Son of God, that is complete blasphemy. But we, Joseph is saying he's not a criminal, we're not going to leave him there like any normal crim- criminal is. So he must believe Jesus is telling the truth, and this act of burying Jesus completely exposes his belief in who Jesus is. And even at this point, when Jesus has just died, the disciples, uh, the, the twelve apostles, have all abandoned Jesus. They've got so afraid, and they've just ran away. But then we have this man that's been living in fear, that um, the fear of the Sanhedrin, he takes this opportunity to step up to the mark, and he shows that he still has hope in Jesus. Jesus has just died, but Joseph doesn't lose his hope. He knows that, uh, who Jesus is. He believes the teaching is going to come back from the dead. And he doesn't act on what he can see, because what he can see is a man who's just died. But he knows that Jesus can conquer death. And he acts in uh, faith and in, in knowing who Jesus is. It would have taken him so much courage to go uh, to Pilate and ask him for Jesus' body. We stepped out when it really counted. And I've got um, a quote here from Martin Luther King Jr. And it says, Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. <laughs> I really like that because it, it just shows how we don't need to see the whole thing, what's uh, going on ahead. We just see the, the next bit. And it's so true in so many places in our lives. And Joseph didn't know whether the Sanhedrin were going to find out and, and whether they were going to kill him, like they just killed um, Jesus, or what was going to happen next he just took that step out in faith and just chose to begin his Christian journey and what a way to begin it by burying our saviour and Joseph would not be someone we would expect to bury Jesus he seems to be the completely wrong person uh, for the job He's a member of the Sanhedrin who've just condemned Jesus to death. And he's, he cares about his, his ritual purity. We're told that he, um, he, he keeps the law. He prides himself in keeping the Jewish law. And he thinks that this makes him right to God. Up until now, when he puts burying Jesus uh, and showing his love for him in that way, before his ritual purity. And he's been a secret disciple living in fear. 
up until now when he chooses to step out. God doesn't write him off because of these things that he's done in the past or the way he thinks he's thought of uh, things before, like his ritual purity. God chooses to use him. Joseph does not use any of this as an excuse, saying that he's the wrong person, that that, uh, someone better should bury Jesus, for example. He should get uh, some of the disciples to do it who've been following him and and hearing all his, his teachings for the past three years. He just obeys God. But he is, seems like such the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's like having the completely uh, wrong tool for, for the job. Uh, one example I thought of of having the wrong tool for the job is maybe we could try using a hammer to clean the dishes or we could try brushing the floor with a screwdriver. It's just so out of place. And Joseph was just so out of place for the job. As burying a criminal just before the Passover was not something a member of the Sanhedrin should do. But that is not the way Joseph looked at it. Because he didn't believe Jesus was a criminal and he gave up his identity, uh, being placed in being a member of the Sanhedrin, and changed that so that his identity was firstly as a disciple of Jesus. And God choosing to use him in this way is quite incredible. It just means uh, everything Joseph does completely glorifies him because it's not about anything uh, Joseph is or anything he can do, but it's all about God and God choosing to use him in that way. And it is just simple faith and simple um, obedience. But none of us know uh, what it's like to be in his situation, uh, which was really difficult as a member of the Sanhedrin to have such enormous pressure on us us to hide our faith because we're fearing for our lives. But there can be many different uh, things that we fear, and sometimes we can be challenged in these areas to to step out in faith. It might be something that uh, is similar to Joseph, in that maybe there are certain people that we haven't told we're a Christian, because of how we're fair they'll react. Uh, in many ways, we can be blessed living in the freedom we have in this country and we can come together and just meet openly and share our faith in many different places. But sometimes we still fear doing these things uh, and peer pressure or humiliation or all sorts of things can still seep in. But um, we are really blessed compared to some other countries as, and we, as we know, we should uh, remember these other places in our prayers. But we can uh, still have it, have it tough, tough at times and fear um, many different things. It's something we all have in common. It'll be a massive challenge to overcome, but we cannot let them control our lives. And as a wise person once said, fear is temporary, regret is forever. <laughs> we have to say no to fear, yes to obeying God and living in his love as Joseph did. Most of you know me quite well. You know, uh, I became a Christian four and a half years ago. And um, when I did so, I was really quite quiet. And I would never have got up the front and just done something like this. Um, It hasn't just been something that's changed in me overnight and that now I can can stand up here and do this. God's been working in me um, over a period of time, and particularly in some of the things at at Moreland's and changing uh, this sort of thing. But... um, um, he hasn't just let me sit back and <laughs> he's just done it. It's, I had to take the opportunities and kind of overcome that fear bit by bit and give it, give it up to him every time. And it's all, it means that I'm doing it all in his strength and not my own. Um, 
yeah, each time it just becomes that bit easier. But we can't let our fears control what we do. We have to keep giving it to God, and then he'll turn it around to become something through which we can then bless other people. Because God really likes to do that, and it means that all the glory goes to him. And there's uh, something else we'd expect to stand in Joseph's way, in a really big way, which I have already started to mention, is his uh, ritual purity. And touching Jesus' body would make him unclean. And as a member of the Sanhedrin, we'd expect him to pride himself on keeping the law. And it's the time of the Passover. Becoming impure now means he cannot celebrate the Passover with everyone else. We learn in Numbers 9 that he would have to wait another month before he can celebrate the Passover. Everyone is going to know that he's unclean and he'll have to be ritually cleansed and make a sacrifice. Leviticus 5, 1-13 describes the unclean, uncleanliness surrounding dead bodies. They would not be allowed inside the temple and be considered guilty and make a sin sacrifice. So this would be a really big deal for someone who wants to be following the these laws, and it means that his faith in Jesus isn't just something he can hide anymore. It's completely exposed. If he's going to then uh, still follow the Jewish law and to um, become ritually pure and put off celebrating the Passover for a whole month, everyone's going to see that he's doing that. It's not something he can do behind closed doors. All his his friends, his family, everyone around him is going to notice that he's not celebrating the Passover because everyone else. All of the Jews will be celebrating the Passover. They can't uh, hide his faith in Jesus anymore. Burying Jesus certainly wasn't the easy thing for him to do. But we're not called to do the easy thing. We're called to go the extra mile. Joseph may not have known exactly why it was important to bury Jesus properly, why he needed to be in that grave at that time, but he did the right thing anyway. He got his priorities in the right order. We could quite easily criticise him for being a secret disciple for a long time. But in the end, when it really counted, he gave up everything for God. He gave up his position in the Sanhedrin. He gave up his ritual purity. He even buried Jesus in his own tomb because um, of his faith in God and having his priorities in the right order. And because he realised who Jesus is. And he knew that even though he was giving these things up, In return, he's going to get something much, much better, an eternity with Jesus. And this reminds me of the the parable of the hidden treasure in Matthew 13, verse 44, where the man says, all he has to buy the field and get the treasure is a metaphor of the kingdom of heaven. He realises, as does Joseph, what a great treasure he has found in Jesus, a treasure worth giving up everything for and a treasure to be joyful for. We're told that he's joyful when he finds the field. He goes out and he sells everything in, and he buys it in his, in his joy. Are we joyful in our relationship with God? Do we enjoy spending time with him? Or do our quiet times sometimes become a bit like a ritual or a chore that we just have to do at the beginning of the day before we can uh, carry on with everything else. Why is it that sometimes we find it so hard to be joyful in our relationship with, with God or to enjoy God, to enjoy spending time with Him? 
And sometimes we just carry on in our, in our everyday life and everything just becomes such a, a ritual and we don't even realise we're doing this. But when, if we're at the point where we're not enjoying God, we really need to stop and, and evaluate where that is and to think about it and come back to the central truths of how much God loves us enough to send Jesus to die for us. And we need to find a way to celebrate this, something that's going to mean something to us, each of us personally. God wants us to enjoy him. We need to find something that we can enjoy doing and do it with God and bring God into every part of our lives and just enjoy everything with him. So he doesn't want us to, to live in, in the law. He wants us to live in his love and his joy and his peace. And to do those things, we need to have a relationship with him based on love and based on joy. And Jesus never once said to his disciples, how is your spiritual life going? How's your prayer life? Because he didn't separate out the spiritual life from everything else. He just saw it as all as life. God was part of their everyday life. It wasn't something separate that they had to do on top. It was all um, put in together and that's how it should be for us as God. Just part of our, our everyday life and part of everything uh, that we, we do. And because uh, Joseph understood this. He was able to give everything up to God. Now how do we react when we need to give something up to God? What are our priorities? And I've, I know I find uh, it's quite hard to give giving things um, to God. And one of the times for, for me personally, it was particularly tough when there were uh, different pressures on me, was just before I was starting at um, Moreland's College. I applied to go where I was studying for my, my A-levels, and uh, my friends were applying for different things as well. Most of them were applying to go off to university. And the, oh, that was a completely different uh, process they had to go through. So they were saying to me, why don't you apply for university as well, just in case you don't get into Moorlands? And I, I, I was saying, no. No, because I know that I'm going to Moorlands. God has told me that I'm going to be going. And they did not understand the confidence that I, um, I had in God, that I'd be going, and that I didn't need a backup plan. And at times, for me, I felt uncertain in myself. And I felt um, quite tempted to apply to some of the other places as well. But I had to really cling on to, to God in this time and into, uh, into what I was so sure that he told me that I would be going there and just to, to give it all to him. And he taught me uh, that not to rely on my own plans as his are better and that to uh, be giving him the control over my life. I don't need any backup plans like that when God is in control. Um, and sometimes I can still struggle with that. It's not something that's completely uh, changed in me. I'd like to know what's, what's coming next and, and things like that. And God is still teaching me. His timing's perfect. And I need to wait on him. And we can also learn from Joseph what it means to see things with an eternal perspective and to be focused on what will last forever. Not on the riches or the status or power we have now. Because Joseph gave all of that up in order to get something so much better, in order to get Jesus. His willingness to obey God meant God could use him. And he used him to fulfill a prophecy that Jesus will be buried with the rich, which is written in Isaiah 53 verse 9. And it also made the resurrection much more credible. And in this way, the burial became such an important part of the gospel story. Jesus dies on the cross 
for our sins, is buried in Joseph's tomb, and then lives again, leaving an empty tomb and moving aside the rock that should have been impossible to move. And similarly, when we choose to follow Jesus and we die to our old lives, we live a new life, a different life, in his love, in a new obedience to him, and in his strength, we can do the impossible. We can move the rock in front of the tomb. And if our life looks the same as it did before we knew Jesus, then something is really wrong. If Joseph had not buried Jesus, his body would have been left on the cross to decay or thrown into a ditch, as was the Roman custom for dealing with the criminals. When Jesus rose from the dead, there would be no empty grave and it would have been much easier to accuse the disciples of stealing Jesus' body. But he did choose to bury Jesus in a grave he had had cut nearby, according to the Jewish traditions. He was a rich man, as we learn in Luke uh, 23, and he would have come to the garden along with his servants, and also John's Gospel tells us Nicodemus, another disciple who was a Pharisee. They wrap Jesus' body in linen and embalm him with spices. They roll a large stone in front of the tomb. The stones the Jews used for the tombs, they couldn't be moved by just a few men. They would have had like, a massive lever, and all of these people, they, both the, uh, Joseph and Nicodemus, and both of them would have had servants with them. They would have all been pushing the stone into its place. And once it was there, it couldn't be moved again from the inside. You had to lever it away again from the outside. Because it's completely impossible for one man just to move that away. But it's not impossible for God. It shows Jesus' resurrection is genuine, that Jesus is God. Joseph is not the only person that we have present here. We have some other people that we can learn from as well. Uh, One of them is Pilate, another person who is very unlikely to help. But he released the body. He didn't have to. It was unusual for him to do this. It went against the Roman traditions. The Roman tradition said that they left the body to decay on the cross because Jesus was crucified just as a common criminal. The Romans normally would deny the families of criminals the right to bury their dead and leave them to decompose as an example to other lawbreakers. This was a terrible insult to the Jews. Not only would they be considered unclean from handling a dead body, but one that was rotten would make it even worse. So we can see that Pilate is completely going against these traditions of what usually happened at that time. And it shows us that he believes Jesus shouldn't have been crucified. Now we know that Pilate at the crucifixion, he washed his hands of Jesus and saying that he wouldn't have that responsibility on him. He believed Jesus was innocent and that he shouldn't, he shouldn't be being crucified. And he placed a sign over Jesus' head that read the King of the Jews. And when he was challenged to change this, saying, no, right, this man says he is the King of the Jews, he refused to do that. We don't know uh, whether he fully realises who Jesus truly is, but he certainly doesn't think he's a criminal who deserves the death that he's been given. And he straight away allows Joseph to take Jesus' body away. God uses him where he is, and he softens his heart to show favour to Joseph so that the burial and the resurrection could occur. He completely made the way clear for Joseph. There were just no obstacles for him to cross to bury Jesus. God always makes the way clear for his will to be done. 
We have a God who specialises in the impossible and in clearing it the way in what seems impossible for his glory. God so often uses the wrong person for the job in the wrong place and at the wrong time to get done what he wants to do. Isn't so it shows that it's not because of anything we're able to do, but because of who God is that it gets done well and all the glory goes back to him. One example uh, is Paul from the Bible who was murdering the Christians and God completely turns his life around and turns him into evangelist. We can so often feel like we're the wrong person or that it's the wrong time. But we shouldn't be focused on those things because we can see that God uses those situations so many times. We just need to be focused on obeying God and stepping out in faith and then trust him to do the rest, just as uh, Joseph did. Uh, we have uh, two other people who were, were there as well. Um, we have Mary of Magdalene and the other Mary. And they had been travelling with Jesus from Galilee. They'd been with him and heard many of his teachings. And now, Joseph is burying Jesus and they just watch. They've experienced and seen miracles. Um, in Luke 8, uh, verses 1 to 3, after this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another. The twelve were with him, and also some women who have been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, and many others. So we can see that it, Mary Magdalene has had seven demons cast out from her and she would have seen the other miracles as well. And the other Mary would have been there and seen these things going on. They'd have seen so many of the things that Jesus has done. Um, they were helping to support him out of their own means. They were wealthy. They could have afforded everything they needed to bury Jesus because they'd been supporting Jesus and the disciples financially as they were travelling around with him. But now... They just sit back and don't take part in Jesus' burial. They just watch. These things, they seem like the ideal people to take care of his body at this time. But they just don't take up that opportunity. They don't understand the importance of what is happening. And instead of just doing what is right, as Joseph does, they just choose to do nothing. They're so confused that Jesus has died. And they feel so hopeless. And they just just sit back and watch and just let that overtake them, their feelings of hopelessness. And then they realise that maybe they should have done something. Maybe burying Jesus is important and it is a way that we can show our love to him. So then they come back on the Sunday morning, ready to anoint his body. And they find the empty tomb. (laughs) They let the opportunity to show their love for Jesus pass by without doing anything about it. There are so many opportunities for all of us to show God's love every day. And we don't know whether they're going to be there when we come back next time. We might completely miss them. But how many do we choose to take? How many do we just let pass by? How many do we completely miss? Because we get so caught up in our own world, our own thoughts. How many of them do we choose to ignore? Because we think we're too busy or because we're too afraid, or too focused on ourselves, and our interests, and our feelings. 
And she marries her. They allowed their, their passiveness to be fueled by their feelings. It, yes, it was a strong feeling. They were mourning for Jesus. They have let it completely overcome them. I don't want to trivialise the fact that they were mourning because we know how much that they, they loved Jesus. And I've never la- lost anyone that close to me to know what it feels like to have that um, feeling completely overcome you. But... The point is that they haven't lost Jesus. They just think that they have because they haven't understood properly what he's done. And in this situation, if they'd been more focused on who he is and remembered and trusted his teachings that he is going to rise from the dead, they wouldn't have been overcome with mourning and they would have been in a place where they could be motivated to do what they can for him, as Joseph did. And this shows us how important it is to try to see things from God's perspective. When we're looking at things just from our own view, we can't see everything that's that's going to happen. We We don't know the bigger picture. But sometimes we can ask God to let us see a situation as he sees it. And uh, he won't show us everything, but he can show us the important things that we need to know and help us to see how things are going to fit together, why something is important. Or maybe he'll just say, yeah, that is what you need to do. Trust me, I know why it's been going to work out. You just need to follow me. But it's, yeah, it's really important to remember that we don't see the whole picture and to trust God that he has everything in his hands and his control. Um, and and it, the image that I found that explains this really well um, is kind of, if you imagine that like our lives is like a, in a piece of embroidery that we can uh, see being made, but we're watching from the backside of it. So we can see all the individual threads, and these are different situations in our lives, and, we can, and you can see them being sewn together. But you can't see the picture on the front of how it's all being made. Only God can see this as he's sewing everything together. So we have to give it all to him because we put it all in the wrong place and let him sew it all together. And when it's all been finished, when it's all made, he'll let us see the front of it and we can see how everything's worked out, why everything was important. Maybe there's some, some black threads in there that represent things that we don't want to be in there, troubled times that we question, why has that happened to me? But then when we see the whole picture, maybe we'll just realise why that was necessary. And the two Marys and all the apostles that have run away, they're just looking at the situation from their own perspective. The apostles have completely given in to fear and run away. They have lost any opportunity they could have had to be involved in such an important part of the gospel, while Joseph, such an unlikely man to be involved, has stepped up. And they completely miss who Jesus is. They thought that he would still be dead and they have been acting on what they can see instead of their faith in him. And I know that my instinct is uh, to look at things from my own perspective, from a worldly perspective, and see how things are now, and so often forget about the bigger picture. Um, I have some of my, my friends at college have come just simply out of obedience to God. Um, and one of the, the major things that uh, troubles some of them is some of them don't have uh, any way of paying their fees each term. 
that each time comes by and somehow the money comes in from somewhere, God gives it to them. I've had friends that have had the, um, the money come in right just days before the deadline and they've just been praying and praying and thinking, where is it going to come from? And some of them can't even put their finger on it. They don't even know who's, who's given it to them, where it's come from. But God has provided um, because they're, they're following his will for them and, and they're looking at not just... Uh, what they have, but they're looking at who God is. Because um, if we just look at their situation, and it seems silly for them to go back to Bible college, it seems ridiculous. Like if you have no money to pay your fees, you don't know what you're going to do at the end of Bible college, maybe, uh, then why bother going back? But it's, we, don't, we don't want to be looking at it in that way and looking at us, of what we have and what we can do. But they uh, need to, and so many of them do, look at who God, look, who God is and what he can do. And he works everything out for them. And he always uh, provides and reveals how, how he, uh, what they're going to be doing after Bible college over, over the, as the time goes on. He makes the way for them when it seems impossible. Um, so what can we learn from the burial of Jesus? We can learn to step out in faith and do what is right. Just as it was right for Joseph to bury Jesus properly, and God used his faithful efforts in a massive way, which helped the credibility of the resurrection and fulfilled the prophecy. We can learn that God uses the unlikely and the impossible, both people and circumstances, to show how great he is. God moved aside this massive stone for Jesus to come out from the tomb. And God used Joseph, a very unlikely choice, to bury Jesus. His willingness to do something to express his love and commitment to Jesus overcame his fear in the end and he stepped out. Love always overcomes fear, as we read in 1 John 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we can learn that God makes the way for his will to be done. And whenever we do our part, he is always faithful to do his part. Maybe it looks like an impossible situation. But you just do the bit that you can and put your trust in God. And he makes everything else just work out for us. And we need to give him his, our entire lives because he is faithful and gives us so much more in return. And we can also learn to step out and take the opportunities when they're there and not to let them pass by. We have many opportunities to show love each day. We must not just watch, sit by and watch other people to serve God and then realise it is too late for us to get involved. We need to step out in faith and get involved where we have the opportunity or maybe it will just pass us by like it did for the two Marys who came back to the tomb and found that they could no longer take part in the burial of Jesus because Jesus wasn't dead, he was alive. But Jesus died for us so that we can live for him. And we need to uh, make the most of it, not be held back by fear and take every opportunity to step out in faith and show God's love. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the the love that you have for us. Thank you for all the opportunities uh, that you give us to step out in faith, 
to step out in your love and to show other people your love. And you know, Lord, of what stops each and every one of us. You know the fears that we sometimes have to overcome. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to overcome these things and stop them being obstacles in our lives. We give all of this to to you, Heavenly Father. And we pray that you would come and show us what we need to do. And for when we do these things that you call us to, I know that you are faithful to do the rest. And we, we thank you once more for your son Jesus and for him dying for us on the cross so that we can live for him. In your precious name. Amen.